Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode of the podcast, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. I like to say the only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. I chose this story, Low Energy Economy, by Adrian Tchaikovsky, because Well, it really spoke to me. You see, I've been thinking a lot about human connection these days and its purpose through this whole age of COVID. The story comes from a new anthology of short fiction called Consolation Songs, which was compiled as a kind of fundraiser for the charity supporting the University College London Hospital's NHS Trust. The collection is subtitled Optimistic Speculative Fiction for a Time of Coronavirus. How about that? The author of this story, Adrian Tchaikovsky, is a prolific science fiction and fantasy author. He's the winner of the Arthur C. Clarke Award and the British Fantasy Award. He's perhaps best known for his epic fantasy series, Shadows of the Apt. And his new novel out now is called The Doors of Eden. It's a cross-timeline evolutionary thriller, half a billion years in the making. Now, I love a good story set in space. And this one follows an asteroid miner named Tobler who's out there cruising along in his pod by himself. The writer and Tobler have a great sense of humor, and it really beautifully tackles a couple of issues that I think are really paramount right now. When we are forced into an isolated existence by circumstance, how do we maintain Sanity. When we cannot confidently predict the future, how do we maintain a sense of purpose? So, if you are ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. Low Energy Economy by Adrian Tchaikovsky. Tobler wakes up. Red lights in his display. Runs a diagnostic. Nothing that's failed is critical. Or maybe he wouldn't have woken up. 
unless the diagnostics are on their way out, in which case the rest is going to be a fatal case of blind man's bluff. He sets in motion those parts of the self-repair routines that have been able to repair themselves, and some of the lights go away. He can live with the little constellation of red that's left. This is his life now. Tobler checks telemetry and distance and forms a mental map of the almost entirely nothing all around him. His claim sensor has picked up some suggestive bounce back from a big rock that's only about a hundred thousand clicks away. His contract says to investigate, and Tobler is all about the contract. All of Tobler's peers are all about the contract. They're building the future. Out here, the future looks huge and dark and empty, like space. He remembers the vids of asteroid fields, spaceships zipping in and out of the ponderous rocks that rolled past the windows or collided with each other in spectacular explosions. Here, he is in the very dense heart of the asteroid belt between Mars and Jupiter, and the naked eye would not make out a single object. Even if the void wasn't dark as dark, the sun just one bright star in the firmament, the eye would find only emptiness. Even the claim sensors have one single rock in their focus that he's now jockeying his little pod towards. This is as busy as space gets. This is the bustling rush hour commuting traffic of the asteroid belt. Right here. Tobler's pod is about three times the size of Tobler, which in space terms is very small indeed. Tobler himself is a small guy. No jocks in space. Muscle mass is wasteful when they pack you in a tin can and shoot you off on a decades-long trip to the asteroid fields. When you're curled up like a fetus in a capsule that contains one, engines and thrusters, two, a factory for mining nanos, three, the most stripped-down life support system they could get away with, and four, you. His knees have been tucked to his chin for two human lifetimes and more. And there's no more to him than the skin and bone and hair and innards that are sufficient to know their Tobler and what Tobler's job is in all of this. Anything more is wasteful. Anything more has atrophied away over the decades, parts and pieces failing, without even the courtesy of a red light on his display to tell him. He is approaching the rock at quite a clip. And now's the time for Tobler to see whether his thrusters are working as advertised or whether he'll arrive at the party fast enough to put his face on the back of his head. Thrusters wasn't one of the red lights, thankfully, nor 
Was the lack of red lights a sign that long-suffering diagnostics were giving up the mechanical ghost? So, he slows. Slows, then contacts. The rock is a click and a half down its longest axis. Half that along the perpendicular. It's spinning as he approaches, but he adjusts until he's spinning just the same. And because this is space, which lacks any other frame of reference, that makes them both perfectly stable as he coasts in and touches down. Sensors confirm the claim. Iridium, antimony, copper, and gold. All materials his employers are greedy for. All materials he's getting the big bucks for. Or at least the bucks. Maybe a buck. Because a job's a job these days. You take what you can get if you want to put bread on the table. And sometimes that means the bread and the table are both 400 million clicks distant. And he won't see either for several human lifetimes. His great-grandchildren better eat up all the damn crusts, is what he thinks about that. Tobler decants the mining nanos and runs through all the checklist of measurements to make sure this colony takes. They'll start chewing through the rock and extracting all the mineral snackies, and eventually their programming will have them turn out a little beacon for the fleet to come pick up. When there's a fleet, They were still planning the shipyards when he left Earth. Probably they've at least laid a keel or two in the century-plus that's passed since then. There will be a fleet, though. That's phase two. Tobler and his many scattered colleagues are phase one. Because it's more efficient this way. Because the economy was bad back when he left Earth. Because things were desperate because he needed the work. He makes a tally of the remaining red lights, the ones the self-repair can't fix, and logs a maintenance request. It goes into the folder with all the other maintenance requests. One day, there'll be a maintenance ship, supposedly, somewhere he can point himself at, and then later wake up at with no red lights at all. Can you even imagine such a thing? The maintenance ship should come as a package with the first collector, the vanguard of the fleet, the mythical Phase 2. There's a Phase 3. There are lots of phases. When you're part of Phase 1, all those other phases are like the asteroids, thinly spread in a great field of nothing and you can't make them out with the naked eye. The nanos have taken. There'll be a good crop of iridium come harvest time in a decade or so. Initial nano operations free up enough raw materials to replenish their little factory, breeding stock for the next nanos along. Enough to refuel the pod's reactor. Time for him to hurl himself out into the void again. Claim sensors have a number of potential targets, and the pod does all the maths about how fast they're moving and the precise angle he needs to throw himself at to intercept them. 
Tobler uses the basic link he has with the pod systems to okay all its queries. He's sending a parcel into space, and the parcel is him. He's just tying the string now. Tobler goes to sleep. Tobler wakes up. Red lights in his display. Diagnostics? Self-repair. More red lights left over than last time. But that's how entropy gets you. Logs the maintenance request there with all the others. This time, the claim's no good. The sensor's screwing with him. Already a nano-colony at work. No point in him being here. The whole emptiness of space and someone got here first. There's a mark left. Karen, it reads, eaten into the rock by the way the nanos were laid down. He wonders who Karen was and what she's like, where she might be now. There are thousands of them making up phase one, but he's never met any of the others, nor would he expect to. The asteroid belt is very big. The human race is very small. Tobler is barely a dust mote in the eye of the universe. Lays in a new course, okays all the checks, curses at the waste of his valuable time, a lie, of course. His time is practically worthless, and it's all he has to give to the company. What he's wasted is energy and resources. He can't fuel here. His nanos recognize that some other colony has pissed all over this rock to make it theirs. He has to trust he'll have enough to make it to the next rock, and then break when he gets there. They were going to do this job with robots, but by then they'd run into the reverse automation curve that was screwing things up in just about every industry on Earth. Because robots are expensive to build. They need iridium and copper and gold and antimony and all the other good things just sitting out there in the asteroid belts for free, if you can only get to them. You could have a fleet of robots to mine the asteroids, once you'd mined the asteroids to fund your fleet of robots. Or you could pay half the money and send people. People were not expensive. People were the one resource Earth had that was overflowing beyond all possible use. It was expensive to keep all those free-range people fed and exercised and watered, but it turned out if you shoved a man in a pod about three times his own size and sent him on a one-way trip to mine the asteroids on the promise that you'd feed his family and their descendants for as long as he was still striking claims, then that wasn't quite so expensive. It made the figures look good, job creation and all that. 
And so they put Tobler and Karen and all the rest in their little pods and put them to sleep and fired them at the asteroid belt. And who knows how many actually arrived. But if you fire enough thousand little pods with little people inside at an asteroid belt, you're going to get a return in a few centuries. And you can at least turn to the people and to the investors and say you're doing something. Tobler hasn't heard from Earth or any other human being for almost 200 years. He can only take it on faith they're not back in the Stone Age. But even if they are, maybe they'll crawl into space again, eventually. Maybe they'll get back to this point, in a thousand years' time, of wanting to reap the vast mineral wealth of the solar system's pork belly. And he'll probably still be out here, red lights allowing, making everything ready for them. If not his family, then someone's family. If not his civilization, then someone's. Tobler goes to sleep. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night. No matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff, like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Let's get back to our story. Tobler wakes up.
There really are a lot of red lights now, and one of them is the last service of the diagnostics, because they are entering their own name in the obituary column. Self-repair lies in the bed next to them, staring at the stars and weeping at how far away they are. But here's the claim, and nobody's beat him to it, at least. And the thrusters still slow him, though he has to jockey them carefully to stop just hanging off at a mad angle and missing his target by half a million clicks. That's what you want a human for. That's why the robot would be expensive. He can think on his feet even if those feet are atrophied husks he can't even remember. He's feeling rebellious today. He doesn't file the maintenance request. The universe fails to come crashing down. The nano-colony is sluggish, but he gets it woken up by end-running around half its protocols. More stuff a robot wouldn't do. This is a particularly good asteroid, chock full of minerals for them to get chowing down on. They set to with a will. All those red lights referencing the nano-colony turn out to be nothing but the fever dreams of his dying diagnostics after all. Nice thought, that sometimes the universe is actually less screwed than the readouts are telling you. He plots his next course, another lucky strike like a tiny point of fire out in the void, so distant it might as well be a star. He wishes on it, sets his course, engages the slow burn of the drives that will get him up to speed over the next seven months or so. And things go wrong. Some of the red lights weren't lies. I told you so, wheezed the diagnostics from their deathbed. He's off at the wrong angle. Already impossible for him to ever reach that claim. He tries the thrusters, arrests most of his momentum before they too die. He's left in a slow drift, the most recent claim receding from him, still visible as a vast mountain of valuable metals, then as a boulder, a rock, a pebble, a dot. A nothing. Lost in all the rest of the nothing. He tries self-repair. It has no pulse. Diagnostics gives up the ghost. Workarounds. He hacks into the mess of software, all the previous patches and changes and fixes he's made to keep the pod running while it died on its mechanical arse. He spends too long fiddling with the code and the connections, like a series of exhausting mental gymnastics exercises. He is burning up the candle of his life. It's expensive to keep awake for this long. The economy of a mining pod is a precisely calibrated affair, and this wasn't in the budget. And it goes nowhere. The army of red lights descends on him and holds him at gunpoint. Nothing he does helps. He activates the distress beacon. Or at least he goes through the motions, but by now so many things aren't working that 
He has no way of knowing if it's on or not. There's a little meter on his display. It tells him how much he has in reserve, energy-wise, and it only goes down. And now there's no way to make it go back up because every second he is living and breathing and being awake... He's greedily scarfing down his pod's resources, gobbling them into his shrunken belly. Eat it all up, even the crusts, and there's no more where that came from. Somewhere outside the pod, the inaudible song of the distress beacon sings out into hard vacuum. Or maybe it doesn't. Tobler drifts further and further and tries more and more extravagant ways to get the things back online. But by now, he has to accept that there isn't enough duct tape in the universe. And anyway, he doesn't have any duct tape. What he has is what is out there all around him. Big, fat, nothing. And so, there's only one thing for it. Save energy. Stripped down to the least imaginable level of life support. Put himself back into that long sleep that is so close to cold death that when he finally crosses over in a few centuries' time, nobody will care and he won't notice. Leave the beacon, assuming there even is a beacon. Go to sleep. For in that sleep of death, but no dreams will come. Not enough brain activity for that. We couldn't even afford him dreams. Tobler goes to sleep. Tobler wakes up. That wasn't part of the plan, really. No red lights, but... That just means the red lights are broken. Tobler, says the pod, or it's in his head. He tries to read the nothing that's out there. There's a ridiculously tiny outside chance he hit a claim after all, and he can try to bootstrap the whole circus with a new influx of materials. He's nowhere, though. Nowhere? is where he lives now. Nowheresville, nothing county, the United States of absolute emptiness. Open your eyes, Tobler. He can't work out if his eyes are open or not. But then, he hasn't used his actual eyes in... How long has it even been? He queries his ailing systems... They reckon he's been asleep for two centuries and change. But they also reckon they aren't working anymore, so it's anyone's guess. A long time. Safe to say he slept through the alarm. But the pod has eyes of its own. The only visual input he's had since they fired him off at the asteroid belt one muggy earth morning too many lifetimes ago and set him to work. He fights with the dead and dying code to open them, turn on the cameras. Might as well take a good old look at the nothing one last time. 
energy reserves are at an absolute flat zero. He must, he presupposes, be dying, therefore. And the pod has woken him up just so he can appreciate this fact. Thanks, pod. Tobler? And the voice is in his head. But then his entire experience of the universe is in his head. As he's shut in this little pod, surrounded by so much nothing. But then... All of our experiences are, when you get down to it, just in our head. That's how experience works. We found you. You're one of the last. Nobody left behind, Tobler. We owe you. We owe it to you to bring you home. For dying hallucinations, he could imagine worse. A voice telling him nice things. We're linking to your visual systems now. Open your eyes, Tobler. His eyes are like shriveled raisins, atrophied from lack of use. Like most of the rest of him, shriveled away until the only reason he wouldn't say to nothing is that the nothing outside has already staked a claim on the word. But he's seeing activity in his sensor suite at last. Almost as if some outside agency really is fixing it up for him, running transformations and repairs he can't follow, using protocols nobody ever thought of, sufficiently advanced to seem like magic. Tobler opens his eyes and sees the city. A city, a thousand clicks across, hanging in the nothing like a vast bauble, radiant with silver light against the darkness of the void. A city. And he's getting metrics from it now with just a thought. A hundred million people people in this city alone, healthy, happy, thriving, making something of the nothing, a fleet of ships, an army of robots, and nobody ever having to live in a pod three times their own size, counting every iota of energy and watching the red lights multiply. You're coming home, Tobler says the voice in his head. Do you see the city? Do you see what you built? You know, I, I call this season seven the season of surrender, right? Um, meaning that there were just things that I'm acknowledging in my life that I have no control over, and just to be okay with that, or as okay as I can be being the control freak that I am. 
And then this story comes along, which really reinforces that idea for me. There is so much angst on the planet. And I don't know about you, but I find myself um, tired all the time. I just, I, I, I walk around some days feeling like I am trying to move through molasses. And, and I tend to believe that it's as a result of everything that's going on on the planet. I mean, there's just so much energy of uncertainty that it is, it is literally <laughs> exhausting. It, it's beating on our psyches every day. And so it's not, an, it's not an unreasonable response to simply surrender, to let it all be okay, and to trust that there is another side that we will come out of. There's an end to this state, which will naturally deliver us to another, and whatever that is, we'll be okay. The idea of just surrendering to the what is. Um, it's what Tobler does. You know, he's just out there doing his thing. He's doing his thing because it's what he's done for centuries. It's what he was sent out there to do, to do his thing. And every couple of hundred years, he wakes up and, you know, there's less and less of him. But the job's still the same. And he just does his thing. And he does this thing until there's really no way out. I mean, he's come to the end of his thing. And he certainly can't control that. And so what he decides to do is, you know, just do that thing that he's always done. Put himself into hypersleep. And when he finally dies, he won't even notice. He'll be unaware of his own passing. And then the unexpected happens. He's rescued. And not only that, after being rescued in his first moments of consciousness, it's pointed out to him that everything he sees is as a result of his efforts. That it was neither wasted effort, nor was his assumption that he would never see the fruit of his labor. Neither was that assumption true. And I guess what it does for me is just it reinforces the, the commitment to just keep surrendering. There's never any guarantee that things will work out. But they might. And even if they don't, you still have your commitment. Your commitment to surrendering and allowing that which is supposed to be to be. And when I say surrender, I don't mean to give up. Because giving up to me means abandoning the cause, capitulating to defeat in, in some way. 
what surrender means to me in this case is to let go of any need or urge to control the outcome. Just surrender to that which is. And that's what Tobler does. He's a guy that just keeps putting one foot in front of the other. And (laughs) I don't mean literally because his feet have actually atrophied. That part really got to me, the the idea that he withered away, that, but that it was a natural part of the process because mass is your enemy in space. But I had a difficult time accepting that state of shriveledness because I'm so attached to my body being the way it is, alive, robust, um, vibrant. But again, you know, it's what he went out there for. And he was hanging his hat on the idea that he was making the way ready, that he was taking care of those who came after him and his family, that as an ancestor, he was doing his job, right? Providing for seven generations down the line. That's to make decisions that bear in mind what we are asking seven generations from now to inherit by way of our actions. And he did that. He made the ultimate sacrifice for his future progeny. And then it all worked out all right. So this is a story that's written for us in COVID those coping with COVID. And I got to tell you, this was a breath of fresh air. But we're still in it, y'all. We're still in it. We're not out of it yet. And I know I've said it before in this very space. We got to vote. We have got to vote. We have got to vote. There's no other choice. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is Julia Smith, the best in the business, y'all. And we have a new researcher this season. That's Lakeisha Lewis. So glad you are aboard, my sister. And our editing and sound design is by the extraordinary Brendan Burns. My undying thanks to Adrian Tchaikovsky for allowing me to read his story today. If you enjoyed this, you will want to check out his brand new novel, The Doors of Eden, which Booklist called a suspenseful joy ride through the multiverse. The Doors of Eden is out right now. And as always, if you enjoy the podcast, please recommend an episode to a friend who you think might enjoy it. You can also leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. And why not include a story suggestion for us? We love them. We read them. We use them. And if you would prefer to listen to episodes ad-free and listen to exclusive bonus author interviews, you can do that on Stitcher Premium. Go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar to start your free 
trial. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher and LeVar Burton Entertainment. Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon, Josephine Maharana, she's the boss, and yours truly, LeVar Burton. And I am LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVarBurton.com. I will see you all next time, but you don't have to take my word for it. For over 130 years, McCormick has helped you make mom's lasagna to keep her secret recipe alive. Take over taco night, no matter how chaotic your day is. Conquer the bake sale, even if you get to it last minute. And craft the perfect Sunday brunch when it's not even Sunday. Because with McCormick by your side, it's going to be great. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. 